what we never thought we could do. Build up our spiritual muscles, Lord God. Help us to help us to perform at levels that we never thought we could dream of. Only by the power of your Holy Spirit. If I were you right now, and I just ask for the Holy Spirit to come into your heart right now, right now. You don't have to wait for the sermon. You can ask right now. Say, Spirit of God, just fill me right now. Come into my life. Come into my life. I want more of you. Some of you may say, I already have the Holy Spirit, Pastor. You never can have enough of the Spirit of God. Uh, uh, just say, I want more. More power. More anointing. More discernment. So teach us. Teach us, Lord. Teach us from your word today. It's our precious, it's our prayer in the precious name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said amen. And amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I think I want to use my lapel this, uh, this morning. Testing, one, two, three. Can you hear me now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, let's just put our hands together and give God a praise. Yes, sir. Oh, man. Man, just, just awesome worship this morning. If you're appreciative of everybody that played their part in worship this morning, would you shout hallelujah? hallelujah. All right. I'm looking for somebody today. Is, uh, is uh, Daniel Graves here? Where is he? Come here, Daniel. Put a little something under Yeah, Come here, Daniel. Daniel Graves, yes. <laughs> ah, brothers and sisters, this is a bittersweet moment for us today. Y'all know Daniel, don't y'all? We've known Daniel a long time. Daniel has, man, we've just seen the Lord work in Daniel's life. Daniel just matured and developed. And, but all this time while he was growing and trusting God and serving in the church, after he had gotten that degree from Washington Adventist University, Oh, Cleveland State? What's Cleveland State? You started there. You're Cleveland State. So you're not claiming why you, right? Pastor Johnson, I don't know if Pastor Johnson caught that. That's, he's not claiming. Cleveland State. Come on, say amen. Brother got his degree and was looking for work and found a few things here and there. Served at Raymond Junior Academy. And we just put our hands together for what he did at Raymond Junior Academy as well. But he was not working in his field. And he was still waiting for the job. Come on, say Amen. Well, Daniel let me know just last week that the Lord blessed him with a job in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And so I'm not certain if this is his last Sabbath. Is this your last Sabbath? Is this his last? This is it. Man, this is his last Sabbath. All right, so let's do this. Um, anybody that wants to come pray over Daniel, y'all join me right here now. You don't have to be an elder or nothing. But we want to pray over this young man as he transitions to, to Philadelphia. Uh, just a few miles outside of Pine Forge Academy where he will be our go-to man to look after our children. Yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Lord's blessed him with a job to work at FedEx, and so we thank the Lord for that. And we're just going to lay hands on him and just pray over his life <laughs> and ask God's power to be with him as he, he goes to this next phase. Father, we, we always are saddened when family members have to go. But, Father, this is what we have been praying for. We had prayed. Many of us had fasted. I know Daniel was in anguish looking and hoping and believing God to come through for him. And so, Father, no matter where it is, when you move and when you open up doors, we've got to say yes, Lord, to walk through those doors. And so, Father, you close some doors for him. But, Father, you also open some doors. 
And so I praise you today that not only did you order his stops, but you also ordered his steps. And so, Father, right now, we're just praying for divine favor to be with him. We're praying, oh God, Lord, that you will not only connect him with good godly people in the community, but that, Lord, that you will prosper him at FedEx, Lord. We're praying, Lord, that as he did ministry here in this city, he loves Cleveland, Ohio. He loves his city. We're praying that you will give him a heart for Philadelphia that is, that is very much like Cleveland, Ohio in many ways. Connect him with a good church there, oh God, where he can plug in and, and unite his gifts with, with, with their vision, God, and, and continue to use him to, 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 to help and hasten the soon return of Jesus Christ. And now, God, may the uh, a sweet communion of the Holy Spirit and, and may the guidance of the Father, Lord, and, and may the, the nurturing love and compassion of Jesus Christ guide his every step, henceforth, now, and forevermore. We claim the baptism of the Holy Spirit over his life, that he will do great exploits for God. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And the church said amen. Amen and amen. together for this young man. Come on. Come on, you can do better than that. Hallelujah. 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 I want to invite you to turn your attention with me and to the book of Matthew 21. Before we, we get into our text today, Holy Ghost just has been taking over all of our services past three weeks we had plans to do this and to do that uh, vision sabbath leslie what's up brother good to see you we had uh anna's beautiful wife yes good to see y'all <laughs> um we had plans these past three weeks to share the vision of the church we passed out stuff but we never got to it because the holy spirit was like nah i got plans the other few Sabbaths ago, we prayed, said, Holy Spirit, mess the church up. Make it unrecognizable. So by the time you're finished, tear it up. So by the time you're finished with the church, the church looks just like you. Just like you. That nobody sees anybody else but Jesus. I'm, is that anybody's prayer today? That you just, you don't mind the Lord coming in and doing some reconstruction, some renovation, some transformation? I just believe that before we go into the, to the, to the place for grace, that God wants to do a work of grace in us, Terrence. Yeah. He doesn't want to take the same old congregation into the church, the new, the new facility, the new vision. And so what we haven't, what we haven't really talked about is like where we're going and uh, just, man, I don't know, it was the beginning of the year. Uh, we had assembled a group of like 20 people from the church, different walks of life, and they really went into a room over the weekend and they began to pray and ask God under the facilitation of uh, Pastor Seth Yolorda from California. And we, we asked God, God, show us what our ministry is going to be here. And what we came to the conclusion of, if you'll go to that, that, that slide for me, um, and, and I was amazed and I was, I was shocked. Uh, I felt like maybe we went a little too far. Maybe um, we, we hadn't thought this thing through. And, 
and, and I was saying a thousand is all right, but, but, but by the time we got finished with that, um, the, the word came out of that room after prayer and after seeking the Lord and a lot of discussion that in the next five years, by God's grace, we want to help to transform 10,000 families. Now, yesterday when we were praying, <laughs> Elder, Elder Jones, where are you at, Elder Jones? Raise your hand, Elder Jones. Elder Jones, in the middle of the prayer, the prayer session, and by the way, I just want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with Pastor Johnson. You don't got to come if you don't want to. Like, it's just, it's one of those things where it's just that good. You know, where you try to convince somebody to go to a restaurant, and you're like, I'm telling you, that they don't want to go. Hey, you don't got to go if you don't want to. I'm going to go again, right? Like, these prayer seasons, we know it's early in the morning, but there's a reason for that. We have a 6 a.m. prayer time, and brothers and sisters, that thing is powerful. Right here at our offices, I'm telling you, I know for you, for many of you, might be out of your comfort zone, but that's probably where you need to be. Probably where you need to be. And so we ask you to join us either at 6 a.m. and then we have one at 7 p.m. as well. I know that just kind of gets in the way of your week and all this kind of stuff. But for the next seven days, we are fasting and we are praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Anyway, during one of those 6 a.m. Uh, times in God's presence, this, uh, this man of God began to read from Psalms 91. And there, there comes a point in the text where it says, a thousand will fall at your side. And I said, okay, we, we can work with a thousand. And then he raised his voice, and then the Bible said, and 10,000. So I remember I said to Pastor Johnson, because I, I was not in the final meeting, I was like, Pastor Johnson, I was like, 1,000 is more realistic. How did y'all come up with 10,000? And the word was, is whatever number you think you can do, add a zero to it. Whatever number you think you can do, add a zero to it, because if you can do it, then you don't need God to do it. Come on, say Amen. If you can do it, I mean, we might as well not even ask for the Holy Spirit, right? But I'm of the mind that you can't reach nobody without the Holy Spirit, amen? How many receive this in Jesus' name? That over the next five years, by God's grace, God is going to use us. Hallelujah! How many are humbled by this? God, you have shown us the vision. 10,000. <laughs> and so by his grace, there's no way we can do this with a pastor and some elders. This is an everybody thing right here. It's an everybody thing. And our first goal, our first goal is to get 100 new volunteers to be involved in the ministry of the church. 100 new ones. I, I need y'all to hear me right now. Like, we are not going to be able to do what God has called us to do without you. We need all hands on deck. I know you're building your career. I know you, you got some stuff going. I know you're busy with your kids. But I want you to hear me right now. If we do this thing together, I believe that the Lord, and the Lord gave this to us in prayer the other day. The Bible says, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, this blew my mind. It came in, it came in prayer. The Lord says he would add everything. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> he said he's going to add. In other words, stuff that you're striving for, that you're trying to make happen, finances and trying to do this and trying to do that. The Lord says, man, put me first, I'll add. That's new math. That's new math right there. And how many know God doesn't add anything? It's always multiplication with God. Oh, man. So by God's grace, we're going to do this thing in Jesus' name. Would you say amen? Would you say amen again? Would you say amen again? And we're going to teach on that. 
very quickly, let's go to Matthew 21. Matthew 21, the New Living Translation of the Bible. The text is on the screen. The title of our message today is Go to Work. Go to Work. Somebody shout, Go to Work. Come on, say a little bit louder. Somebody shout, Go to Work. Now, do that annoying thing that pastors tell you to do that you hate when they tell you to do it because you have to actually look at somebody and you don't feel like talking to nobody today. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, oh, neighbor, go to work. Go to work. Matthew 21, 23 through 32. Now, you don't, don't look at your neighbor because I was taught it was rude to do this, but just put your head in the air. You don't got to look at nobody. Somebody shout, shut up and go to work. Oh, my, 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 my. Here we go. Matthew 21. Matthew 21, 23 and thir- through 32. The Bible says when Jesus returned to the temple, that's very important. Underline that in your Bible. When he returned to the temple, when he came back to the temple and began teaching, the Bible says the leading priests. And the elders, don't worry, it's not on the screen, but it'll get there. The leading priests, I want to read this part to you. The leading priests and elders came to him. They demanded, by what authority are you doing all these things? (laughs) Who do you think you are? That's what they're asking Jesus. And notice what they said. Who gave you the right? Verse 24, I tell you, Jesus responded. It should be read in your Bible, right? We're not on the screen yet, but we're going to get there. Be patient. We'll go to the screen. Should be in red in your Bible, right? That means, who's talking now? Watch well, what he says. He says, I tell you about what authority. I'll tell you about what authority I do these things if you answer one question. <laughs> Jesus is so bad, y'all. I mean, like, in a good way, right? In a good way. He said, answer me this question. Jesus replied, verse 25. He said, did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? They talked it over amongst themselves. And they said, you know, um, if we say it was from heaven, then he'll ask us why we didn't believe John. (laughs) But if we say it was merely human, we'll be mobbed because of the people because they believe John was a prophet. Verse 27, so they finally replied, this is what my kids say when I ask them to do something and they ain't done it. We don't know. (laughs) We don't know. You know. Now watch what happens here. The Bible goes on to say, Jesus responded, then I won't tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. <laughs> like he had to tell them in the first place, right? <laughs> but if you can't answer this question, I, then, then, then I don't have to tell you nothing, right? Verse 28, but, but, but what do you think about this? Watch this parable, y'all. A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. Uh, Verse 29, the son answered, no, I won't go. But later, he did what, everybody? He changed his mind. I believe it's on the screen, is it not? It should be on the screen now, is it not? He changed his mind, and he did what, y'all? He went away. Verse 30, when the father told the other son, you go, and he said, yes, sir. Respectful, right? Decent. He says, I will. But he didn't go. Verse 31. Jesus, still talking to the same group of folk who couldn't answer the first question, said, which of the first, which of the two obeyed his father? They replied, the first. Then Jesus explained his meaning. Here it is, y'all. I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes (laughs) will get into the kingdom of God before you do. Are y'all here, everybody? Did y'all just catch that? 
Y'all didn't come here for that today. You didn't know that was going to go down today, huh? Huh? Oh, Lord, help my tongue right now. I want to go street, but God, I need you to go. Help, help me, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Uh, help me, Lord. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. The Lord said the holes are going in. The Lord said the pimps are going in. The Lord said the thieves are going in. The drug addicts are going It's quiet in here. The drug addicts are going in. Oh, Lord. They don't want to look at me now. The Bible says, he says, I tell you the truth, the corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes, King James Version says harlots, other says hordes, will get into the kingdom of God before you do. We better listen to this word today, everybody. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him. While tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happen, oh, oh, oh. Even when you saw this happen, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. The world is pretty much sick and tired of the church. This is what we've been saying every message. The whole reason why we got to this series called Future Church, Dr. Cox, is because we just, I mean, I've had conversations over and over with people, former people of the church, people who never were part of the church, and everybody seems to have an issue with the church right now. People are hostile towards the church. Telling people that you're a Christian oftentimes will get you uh, a cold shoulder. People automatically assume you to be judgmental. They, uh, and you don't want to tell nobody you're a preacher. I almost, that's like my practice. If I'm on the plane, I'm talking with somebody, I do everything I can, Gerald, not to tell them I'm not a preacher. Trust me. Some, of, some people like jumping on that real quick. It just depends on who it is. But sometimes people will, will raise defenses and they'll raise up walls when they consider you to be a Christian. Instead now, there is a new spirituality that people are more attracted to. They're not attracted any longer to people who profess something. And it really doesn't. It's, it's, it's beyond Christianity. It doesn't matter what religion you are. Have you ever heard people say, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual? Have you heard that now? There's a reason for that, and the reason is, is and, and I'm not here to beat up on us today, but the truth of the matter is, is that we have done such a poor job of representing Jesus Christ. Come on, say amen, somebody. We have done such a poor job. Jesus is not the problem. It's not Jesus. It's not the Holy Spirit. The problem with the reputation of the church is really us and how we have represented or misrepresented who God is to the place now where people literally think, see Christian and think corruption. Uh, they have more respect for people like Nipsey Hussle than they do for Creflo Dollar and T.D. Jakes. Come on in here, somebody. Listen, I'm telling you right now, I, didn't, I ain't going to lie. I ain't know who Nipsey Hussle was. I didn't know. I'm not in, I, ain't, I ain't into it like no, more, like no more, for real, for real. I didn't know who Nipsey was, but when Nipsey died, man, I done thought they meant somebody like, I mean, like Princess Diana died. I'm like, who is this? It's a B-list rapper. Right? This ain't, uh, this ain't like, uh, you know what I'm saying? This ain't, I mean, this ain't, I mean, this ain't like people. I, I mean, I don't like who this guy is. He, I mean, Bile, he ain't Biggie. This is not Tupac, but they view him that way. Not because of his rap game, but because of his community game. Because of how he was building up the community. How he was creating employment opportunities. How he was literally changing his neighborhood. And somebody gunned him down. And somebody had to check me because I was somewhat insensitive about his death. I'm like, who is this guy? And I was, I was amazed at the, of, of the reaction of so many young people. They were like, bro, you need to watch who you talk about. This is a modern day Malcolm X. 
This is a modern day Martin Luther King. Now, your generation won't see it that way because a lot of what he did did not get publicized. He did so many things for the community in, in South Central Los Angeles, and they respect his spirituality more than they respect Christians. Are y'all hearing me now? Oprah gets more love than the church does. And y'all know, I don't know what Oprah believes. I mean, she's a little bit all over the place, right? But, but there's something about, about, about this woman who has all of this money and so philanthropic, starting schools. Get a, you get a car. You get a car. Come on. Everybody get a car. Huh? Every time I turn around, and not to mention, let's give the girl props for when they see us. Oprah bankrolled this documentary when they, come on, put your hands together. Bankrolled this documentary when they see us constantly finding ways to uplift the community. And, and to be honest, people respect people like Oprah more than they respect Christians who, who flood church buildings all the time and have a bunch of Bibles and no memory verses and stuff like that. Ellen DeGeneres gets more respect from the world than church folk. If people had to choose between Ellen and, and many popular preachers, they're going to choose Ellen. They know she's gay, but they don't care. They don't care about a person's lifestyle if, if, if their good works seem to, seem to overshadow whatever behavior they may or may not have. Because in the world that we are living in, profession means little. It is performance that means everything. Oh, I wish y'all heard me in here right now. I, I, don't, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, but many of us are not as obedient as we are knowledgeable. And the more knowledge you have and the less obedient you are, you create a circumstance for yourself where you put yourself literally in a position where people don't want to hear nothing you got to say. How many times have we heard this? People would rather see a sermon than hear one. Quick story, uh, uh, Lou Williams, uh, NBA basketball player. You ever heard of Lou Williams? Uh, sixth man of the year. That boy's sharp, man. The boy can, the boy's a baller, but I'm more impressed with Lou Williams. Go ahead, move those slides for me and put my man up on the screen. Lou Williams, uh, NBA player, sixth man of the year, plays for the Clippers, but at one time played for the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. And, and while he was there, he had come out of a, you may, I don't know if anybody's heard this story, but he was in a barber shop. He had gotten his hair cut, and and he was in North Philly. Uh, Daniel, uh, that's where I want you to live. Go. I want you to go live in North Philly. They need you in North Philly. Justin, that's where they need you, bro. <laughs> they're trying to gentrify that area. That's a black neighborhood, but, they try, but it's a tough neighborhood. But anyway, Lou Williams went to the hood to get his hair cut. He was in North Philly. And, 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 and as he got, after he got finished getting his hair cut, he jumped into his luxury vehicle, and he started driving down the street. And, and he pulled up to a stoplight, and when he got to the stoplight, uh, he said he was doodling on his phone, and then next thing he knows, somebody shows up right by the window with a gun cocked in his face. He says instinctively, he said he should have floored it. He should have done something to avoid trouble. He said, but instinctively, something told him, roll the window down. Dude rolled the window down, and when he rolled the window down, the, 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 the assailant who had this gun cocked in his face was like, Lou? <laughs> he said, oh, man. Bro, I can't do this to you, Lou. He said, 
Lou said, I didn't know who he was. He said, but dude, literally what he said was, he said, man, through all the stuff you've done for this community, he said, man, I was about to jack you, man. He said, man, I can't jack you, man. You done done too much for this hood. I've seen you and Meek Mills out here in these streets, man, like emptying out U-Haul trucks during Christmas time, during Thanksgiving. I've seen what you've done for the basketball camps. He, he said, with tears in his eyes, he was like, man, I can't do this to you. And as, as tears began to flood his eyes, he said, man, listen, man, I'm hurting. He said, I just got out of prison. He said, I can't, I can't find no job because I got felonies. He said, man, and I'm hungry and I don't got nothing to eat. And he said, the only thing I got is a gun. Meek said, get in the car. Meek took him over to McDonald's, and Meek said, I chopped it up with him for the next several hours and told him to get whatever he wanted to eat, and, and that was the end of the story. And you didn't hear much about that, but I'm telling you right now, those are the kinds of people that our world respects. And I'm not sure if Lou Williams has any belief system or not, but I'm telling you, most church folk would have left their dead that day or without a car. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. Most of us if we have been found somewhere in Cleveland, Ohio, and somebody rolled up on us and saw us, they would have no idea who we are. They would have no idea what contribution we made. And the truth of the matter is, come on here, somebody. We might end up dead in our own neighborhood. Even the thugs got respect for real G's. They ain't going to pop everybody. They looked at Lou and said, nah, I can't even do this to him. And this is really the kind of spirituality I believe, this is my personal belief, I believe that this shift in thinking that people, they don't really respect beliefs, they respect action. And many of us are so caught up in, in, in as I am often, in, in theology and, and crafting the, 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 the very, very, very erudite sermon and not realizing that, that much of our time spent in study, we, we, we know enough already. The question is, is not do you get more knowledge. What are you doing with the knowledge that you already have? Are you living up? Y'all know this language. Are you living up to the light that you already have? And my responsibility as a pastor is not to get you to learn more as much as it is, is to get you to do something with what you already have learned. Are y'all listening to me here today? And so, and so in this passage of Scripture, I just want to get into this thing and get out your way. In this passage of Scripture, uh, Matthew 21, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, because it starts off with Jesus literally going into the church and messing it up. This is the Sabbath that he showed up. And he was, this blew my mind, they were doing churches, they had always done it. They were taking money from people, and, and they, were, they, were, they were charging exorbitant prices. The church was no longer about ministry. It was all about the ceremonies. It was all about the monotony. I mean, it was boring. It was dead. It was the same. And Jesus was the only one that felt something was wrong. That, 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 that blew my mind. Nobody else thought anything was wrong with the church chip except Jesus. You know how I know why? Because when he went in there, he got mad. He got so mad that he started throwing furniture and throwing people and tearing up the place. And all the seats are taken. Y'all know I want to throw something right now. Uh, uh, laying hands on leaders and laying hands on the priests, literally. And he is causing such commotion. I can see the dust in the air. I can see people running in terror. Desire of Ages said that divinity flashed through humanity. <laughs> that Jesus walked up in there normal, but then something took over him. And he got that look that your mama would get when you knew she wasn't playing. Y'all know what I'm talking about? 
Y'all know that look I'm talking about where you know it ain't no games no more? That had that look on him that even the Pharisees that were trying to kill him were afraid of the look that came on his face. And he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Man, that's some authority right there. That's some, that's some, that's some straight up power right there. He said, I know y'all been doing church the way you want to do it, but I'm letting you know the way you've been doing it is wrong. I come to mess up your church today. I come to mess up your program. I come to mess up your order of service. I come to mess up your little, pro your, 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 your little evangelism strat. I'm messing it up today because while you're doing this, all the people that need to be in here are outside. And the Bible says that by the time the dust settled, the Bible literally says that the lame and the, and the halt and the blind were moving inside the temple and they began to praise God and they began to worship God and they began to cry out unto him, Hosanna to the son of David. Anybody know what it feels like to be kept out and then God makes a way for you to get in? How many know your praise is different when you've been out and then when you come in? Oh, y'all not hearing me. Is there anybody here that's been out and, the God, and God in his mercy allows you in? I'm talking about today. I ain't talking about 20 years ago. How many know you ought not even be in here right now? How many realize that if it had not been for his grace and his mercy, the Lord can strike you down right now? But how many want to praise him like those children did and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Ooh. Ooh. Look at the picture. Religious people moved out. Real people moved in. And the Bible says he's healing them. And the leaders are offended. Fast forward the next day. Since Jesus took over the church, <laughs> he says it's mine now. He came back in and said, I'm teaching today. Now, I need you to understand what's happening here. There was a lot of protocol that happened in the temple. Like, he messed it all up, and he messed it up so bad that he was able to walk in and say, look, I'm running this now. And the Bible says he was teaching. And while he was teaching, the religious leaders finally mustered up some courage, and they, and they, they walked up to him, like, kind of, like, not knowing what was going to happen, because they remember what happened to them yesterday, right? Can you, like, see bandages on their head? Like, some of them still a little wounded. Brothers limping in there, talking about, but he can't take, he ain't, we ain't going to let him take over our church. Who he think he is anyway? Coming up in here changing stuff. Who does he think he is coming in here throwing folks around and changing what we've been doing? He don't, he don't, this is, I don't know who he think he is, but this is our church. And we know who he comes from. We know his mother was pregnant out of wedlock. Who does he think he is running around here with these fake preachers called disciples? They ain't ordained, they don't got no license, they cuss and they swear, they don't dress like us. He is messing up our church. The Bible says they mustered up some courage. And the text literally says that they went to Christ and demanded. I love this. I don't know who it was. I could see them like arguing with each other. Who's going who gonna to speak? Man, I, I've only been in this thing for about five years. Man, you got to go ahead. But no, but I, I, got, I, got, I got strep throat today. I can't talk. Somebody finally found, found the, the stupidity. Walked up there and said, hey, who gave you authority to do what you're doing? And then y'all know the whole little like, thing that happened there, right? And so Jesus was like, I don't have to tell you what authority I do things by because I am the authority. I don't have to do that. I'm wasting my time. This is my church. I do whatever I want with my church. 
And, I, if, and if I build this church, the gates of hell can't even prevail against it. I don't have, I don't owe you no explanation. I need you right now to put this in your spirit that your heavenly father don't owe you no explanations. He don't know, owe nobody no explanations. The call that God has placed on your life, you don't need to prove it to nobody. The assignment that God has given to you, you don't need to earn it with nobody. If God called you, God's call is God's call and it's God's job to prove to everybody whether your ministry is valid. Need to prove nothing to you. I don't care what your past was. You don't have to prove nothing to nobody. Just do what God told you to do. You don't need to be sitting around here trying to get uh, uh, to take some poll vote to see if they're going to give you a position in the church. You don't need a position in the church to do the thing that God called you to do. There's not enough positions in the church for the ministries that God wants to do in the body of Christ. And so y'all know the little dialogue that happened. So, you know, Jesus, as he often does, will use parables. Now watch this. To make a point. And so then he goes into a parable. Now y'all know why Jesus told parables? Listen very carefully. He told parables so that those who would get it would get it and that those who would refuse to get it wouldn't get it. Uh, y'all not hearing me now. Like, Matthew 12 actually says that Jesus would, because we oftentimes we think that Jesus wants everybody to get it. He said, I speak in parables so that those that get it, get it, and those that don't, won't get it. Y'all not hearing me now. Some of us that don't get it, we don't get it because you don't want to get it. And God really don't need to do another thing in order for you to get it. The problem is not that you lack clarity. The problem is that you lack desire. The problem is that you lack obedience. Do you realize you can amass this much of knowledge, but if you have only this amount of obedience, you really don't understand anything that you've ever learned. The only way that you can really have knowledge, the only way that you can really have clarity on the work of God, on the purpose of God, is through obeying everything God told you to do. So he said, let me tell this parable. So y'all know the parable. He says, a father had a vineyard, and he goes to two sons that he has, and he says to the one son, he says, go and work in my vineyard. Go to work. The Bible says that the son says, I ain't going. Woo! How many of y'all could do that to your, to your? So I want to identify this one. This is the real kid. This is the real one. This is not me. This is my brother. Oh, my brother is watching. And my sister. They, see, I was the good kid that wasn't that good. This ain't for everybody. I mean, this, this part right here, they're going to minister to somebody. There are people like me who was like the second son. When the father came to him and says, go, I said, I'll go. But he never went. So you got two sons, one who says, I'm not going, but he changed his mind and he went. Then you have another son who said, look, I'll go. Yes, sir, the text says. And he never went. So you got two kinds of people here. You literally have two kinds of people in the body of Christ. You have real folk and you have religious folk. 
Real folk are just straight up, honest. These are the folk that we have no respect for. These folk don't sit on boards. A lot of them that don't. Some of them do because they change their ways because some of y'all used to be that. Come on, say amen. But, 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 but for, your, for, for our teaching today, these are the kinds of people that, I mean, come on, you kind of look down upon. These are folks who are out there going hard for the devil right now, and they know they are. Anybody ever been there before? I mean, anybody ever been there before? I'm talking about you wasn't, you wasn't the one that went to the club and came to church the next day. Then you were like, look, I'm in the world. <laughs> I'm not going to church. <laughs> Y'all go. They're, these are the ones that are posting on Facebook all their, dirt, their dirty lives right now. These are the ones that are doing unspeakable things that you're saying, I cannot believe that they are raising their children that way. I cannot believe that they're putting themselves in that position. I, I cannot believe they're making these decisions. I, I cannot understand why they are living the lives that they're living. Church folk look at these folk, and we cannot believe it. The, the son who said he'll go looked at him and said, what? How could you tell dad no? And I can see them saying, like in their room somewhere, saying, because I'm real and you're not. Now, now, Jesus said, now, of the two brothers, and I want to ask you, of the two, who did his will? Who did his will? Hmm? The son who said no, but repented, the King James Version said, and did the father's will. Then Jesus said this. He says, now, here's the point I want to make. The prostitutes and the tax collectors and the sinners and the gays and the drug addicts and the AIDS victims, oh, come on, and the pedophiles and the rapists, and the murderers, oh, it's getting quiet in here now. It said, and the abusers, he says, I can handle them. I can deal with them. I can change them. He says, I can work in them. Why? Uh, it's just because of what we would say, uh, some folks would say in the hood, because real recognizes what, y'all? Oh, y'all not hearing me. See, somebody from the streets knows real power. Somebody from the streets knows what real is. They know what power. They're not sitting here faking it. And when the Holy Ghost, I'm talking to somebody in here, came in your life, wherever he came in your life, you knew it was God. You had been running and running and running, and then God caught you. Can I get somebody in here that knows where you were? doing whatever you were doing. You was out there clowning. Come on in here, somebody. And the Lord reached out and grabbed you. And you said, I ain't going to fight this no more because this is real. This is real. And if God would come, this is really what you were thinking. If God would come and save somebody like me, if God would come and chase somebody like me, if God would come and turn somebody like me around, then I've got no choice but to say yes to your will. Yes to your way. Now, I want to make something very clear. You don't have to be a gangbanger. You don't have to be a drug user to be real. Some of y'all never did that, but you was a real sinner. Lift your hands right now. Lift your hands right now. See, real does not necessarily describe the kind of sin you did. Real describes the kind of mindset that you have. That I'm not going to sit up here and be a hypocrite. I'm not going to sit up here and be fake with it. I'm not going to sit up here and make excuses. Here we're talking about. I'm not going to make excuses for my stuff. I'm not going to look down on others that are sinning differently than me. I'm going to own my stuff. Oh, come on now. I am a mess. I wish I had help in here today. I am jacked up. And right now, I'm not serving the Lord. Right now, I'm not going to do his will. Right now, I'm in my mess. The 
that's where I'm going to be. And then somewhere out of nowhere, the Lord comes down in their lives, messes up their plans, messes up their life, saves them from destruction. And when they see real, real recognizes real. And the Lord said, I can handle a prostitute. Y'all hear me today? This word right here is a wake-up call for the church. What Christ is saying is, is that known sinners have an advantage on the kingdom that church people do not have. We don't have the advantage. We're at a disadvantage because we have too much information. We are more accountable. There is no safety in the church. There is judgment. We can't get away with certain things that they can get away with. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen folks in the church trying to do both, go out into the world. Next thing you know, they get locked up on the first offense. On the first offense. Dudes out in the world. Come on, somebody. Bruh, they've been getting away with stuff for years because the Lord knows how to save them. The Lord knows what he's going to do to work in them. But for some of us, I don't know what, I mean, what more? This is what Jesus is really saying. In short, he's saying there's really not much else I can do to get your attention because everything that I have done is not making an impact on you. And all the blessings that you have, all the knowledge that you have, all the sermons that you've heard, all the studies that you've been in, all the Bible lessons you've given, all the prayer meetings that you've experienced, all the appeals that you came down for, all the evangelistic meetings that you've heard, all the YouTube downloads that you've downloaded, all the sermons that you got on iTunes, all of this stuff has absolutely, positively not convinced you that I am who I say I am. Why? Because all you do is talk. You know what's righteous? Let me explain the scenario. You know what's righteous? What's righteous is there's two people living together. This is gonna be, I know it's gonna, I'm, I'm gonna get in trouble for this. Two people living together in sin, right? And they opening up their house to people on the street. I'm giving you a real scenario. They're not married, they're in sin. They're shacking. They're smoking weed. They got a little henny in there. Come on. They ain't keeping the Sabbath. They're not, they're not doing none of that. They having sex and, and they not married. All that stuff's going on. And guess what? But they, but, but there's a kind-hearted. Have you ever seen like these kind-hearted sinners? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like they're like kinder than we are. Yeah. Like they, they, they'll be like, come on in, get some of this henny. <laughs> I don't got nowhere to live, bro. That's all good. You can stay in there. You can sleep on the couch. It's the weirdest thing to me. I, I'm, I literally have been rebuked by obvious sinners. And the Lord is saying, look at you. Look at what you have. Look at the blessings you have. Look at the knowledge that you have. And you do less than criminals in the hood. Gang members open their doors to other people. 
And church members won't even take in, how many, what's the popular figure? There's 500,000 orphan kids in Ohio. And we can't get any church folk to adopt anybody. It's quiet in here, y'all. Listen to me. And, it's, you know who, and you know who's wanting to go adopt all these kids? Gay people. Oh, the reason why they're doing that is because they can't have children. doesn't matter. That's, their righteousness exceeds yours. Because what God values is behavior. Oh, you're not hearing me now. So what you'll say is, but they're gay and they're doing this. And what I'll say to you is, okay, you're not gay, but you're proud. Okay, you're not proud, but you're a liar. Okay, so we're all sinning differently here. Yeah, let's disagree on that. But I'm going to church more. But I thought it wasn't your, your works that saved you. See, at the end of the day, let's just be honest with this thing. We are trying to hide, myself included, behind religiosity. We honestly think that if we are moral and we are not overtly evil and we are not out wilding and in the world, we think we are actually good. But the Bible says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I was talking to uh, uh, Pastor Nate, Pastor Temple of Praise. He's in school right now to be a, uh, a therapist. And so he has to do uh, a clinicals where he has um, cases, right? He said the majority of his cases are in Euclid. Majority of them in Euclid. He was talking to me yesterday. I almost wanted to cry listening to him talk. He said, man, the majority of the cases are here. He said, man, he said, whatever God gave you to do over there, he said, it's needed. He said, I'm in the homes. He said, I want to turn pastor, but I can't because of my role in my assignment. He said, but the other day, he, uh, he had to call CPS, Child Protective Services, on this, this, this grandmother. And he called on this grandmother because the child said that grandma threatened to choke her. Right, so by law, by law, he's a mandatory reporter. He's got to report. He calls CPS. They all come into the house. He said, man, this black lady went up one side of him and down the other. He said, ma'am, I was just doing my job. The real story was is that the girl uh, was never threatened by the grandma to choke her. It, the backstory, really, of all of this, be, besides the complications of that scenario, as he began to listen to the story, is that this grandmother took in her granddaughter. Have y'all heard this before? Have you ever heard these scenarios before? Oh, yeah, yeah. Took in her granddaughter because her daughter got pregnant with her at age 14 because she was raped by a family member. That's the 10,000 families God's calling us to reach. Are y'all listening to me now? We're talking real life now. This ain't no, I ain't pulling this, I, I'm not pulling this from no sermon illustration book. I'm telling you, this is what's happening. We have hurting people in this community right now that are dealing with wounds, man, and they are crying out for help, but they are not looking for help from the church. They're expecting to be judged when they come here. Can they tell their story and not be judged when they come here? I believe they can do it if they come here. I believe that Grace Community, come on, some, I believe that Grace Community is the kind of church that you can say, I was raped, and we ain't going to judge you. I believe that Grace Community is the kind of church where God can say, I was a rapist, but God changed my life. You see, we have a culture now where we only sympathize with victims, and I understand that 100%, but what happens when God changes a pedophile, or can he be changed, or do you believe that God has that kind of power? Where do they go? What kind of love do you have in this church? Are y'all really ready to deal with the problems that are out in this community? We ain't talking about 10,000. There's got to be out of 10,000 an abuser in there. Got to be a murderer in there. 
Are you prepared to be a place for grace? Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to get into this. I know that there's got to be boundaries and so forth. I'm talking about where do we start? Do we start saying we are a place for everybody? I know what the law says. I know certain people can't be in certain places. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying are we the kind of people that will literally say our arms are wide open to anybody? He told me another story in Euclid. He said there was a, another family he had to minister to. He said, you had a stepfather, his, his stepdaughter, and the wife. Got me? Got that scenario. The real father, biological father, comes to the house. Something happens. There's an altercation. The stepfather blows his brains out. A few weeks later, the stepfather gets his brains blown out. Right here in Euclid. A few weeks after that, yeah, the house burns down. Some kids in the neighborhood burn the house down. That's what you call compound trauma. Right? And that's what you call, that's what we're called to. That's what we're called to. Now, what we can do is we'll say, we have two options. We can look at that vision and say, I'll go. I'm with that. You got my money, Pastor, but I ain't going. I support you in prayer, but I ain't helping nobody. I ain't opening my home to none of them thugs. I'm sorry, Pastor. I got my limitations. Listen to me. And if you say you'll go and you don't go, and you may be asking, well, I never said I was going to go, Pastor, so <laughs> hold that over my head. Do you know what saying you're going means? When you decided to become a member of the church, you took up the responsibility of go. If you are a member of the church right now and you are not going, if you are not making disciples, then, then guess what? You're actually scattering and not gathering. I'm going to show you a statement in a second that basically says that if we are not following the will and the work of God and using everything that God has given us, our money, our talents, our resources to help build up the kingdom, then we are agents of Satan. In the church. If you are not building kingdom, you are tearing it down. There is no middle ground. Help me, Holy Ghost. If God doesn't have your money, the devil does. If God doesn't have your talents, the devil does. If God doesn't have your mindset and your time, the devil has it, and you are an agent of Satan. You can't say you're going to go and not go and get away with it. Prostitutes and sinners are coming in. Now, notice what he said at the end of that. He said, he said, the prostitutes and sinners will come in ahead of you. And then watch what he says. He says, you saw this and you still weren't convinced. Can I tell you what God just basically said? He said, this is how I'm going to save the church. I'm going to save church people by sending worldly people into the church. He said, he says, if they start seeing like, uh, like, like kingpins getting saved, 
as they start seeing people tatted from head to toe coming in here getting their lives changed, if they start seeing baby mamas and baby daddies start flooding this place, if they start seeing kids on all kinds of meds running up and down and tearing up their new church, if they start seeing that, maybe that will convince them that if I can change them, if I can change drug addicts, if I can change prostitutes, if I can deliver drug dealers, if I can do that, then they maybe they'll be convinced that I can do the same in their life. But if you're not convinced, if you're not convinced after a baptism, I see many of us at a baptism. We're going to have baptism. Folks are like, all right, let me go get that sandwich. Food on the table. You think that's a smart move? You know what you're doing? You're avoiding, you're avoiding a Holy Spirit appeal to show you if I can change them, I can change you. See, these are God's last ditch efforts. I believe we're in the last days. How many believe that? See, God is he's pulling out all the stops in these last days. And one oh, hallelujah. One of the things that we're going to be getting ready to see over the next several weeks, I declare it and decree it, as we are going into evangelism, as we're about to go into the streets today with the personal trainer on our side. As we get come on in here, somebody, as we're getting ready to go out, I declare and decree, you're getting ready to see people come into the church you never thought were coming here before. You're getting ready to see folks that will come in here that will make us have to change how we're doing things. You're getting ready to see kids coming here that don't know how to read. You're getting ready to see people come in here that, that, that are struggling with addiction, that are having suicidal thoughts, that have mental health issues. Uh, I wish I had. Where, where's, the, where's the people? I said they're coming. I said they're coming. And they're coming because the Lord is sending them. I said they're coming. The Bible says that the rocks are going to cry out. The Bible says that he's going to call them from the east, the north, the south, and the west. They are coming. They are coming. They are coming. And they are coming to help save us. When they start getting up for testimony service and telling how last night they had a menage a trois, but they're here today. Are you going to be like, oh, hey, it's quiet in here. When they come in here and they said, I got high this morning. And you can smell it all over. Come on, y'all. Y'all know how weed is. Come on, somebody. I'm looking for, okay, I'm going to look over here. Roscoe, you know what weed smells like. Come on, talk to me, Mighty Rock. Huh? It ain't cigarettes. I'm talking about weed. When the weed comes in, when the whiskey comes in, hallelujah, when the saints go marching in. Do you realize God's church is not just those of us in here, but God's church are those out there. They're just not in here yet. <laughs> And when they come in, they're coming in to help us to learn what it's like to not be religious, but be real. Let me read this statement to you and get out of your way. Uh, there's a few paragraphs that I've put there that I want to read to them. Skip on down to that for me, sweetheart. Don't be the second son. In your life right now, if you can say, I'm not as obedient as I'm blessed, then you're the second son. If your life is not 100% dedicated to the cause of Christ, then you are the second son. Watch this. Ellen says, the promise of obedience, they appear to fulfill 
when this involves no sacrifice. See, like everybody wants to say, yeah, I'm, I've been to church, I serve. But you can tell who the real is. The test of sincerity always happens when it calls you to do something out of your comfort zone. And so one of the things I've learned is, is one of the best ways to be spiritual is to intentionally put yourself in places that make you uncomfortable, yeah. that make you have to deny yourself. Yeah, many of us, we say, hey, we need you to be involved in ministry. Ah, that ain't my comfort zone. Ah, that because it requires no sacrifice. It says, but when self-denial, what everybody? And what else? Self-sacrifice are required. When they see the cross to be lifted, go to the next one, they draw back. Thus the conviction of duty wears away and known transgression of God's commandments becomes a habit. Can I break that down? What happens is God calls you to do stuff. You don't do it because it requires too much of you to come out of your comfort zone. And what happens is, is that kind of resistance to the Holy Spirit becomes a habit. And then when that becomes a habit, you start grieving the Holy Spirit. And then when the prostitutes and the, and the sinners begin to come in, not because you brought them in, but because the Holy Spirit was trying to get you to bring them in to help you to be saved. He said, I'm just going to bring them in my own self because I really didn't need you in the first place. He says, you become so set in your ways and in your mindset that it literally becomes almost impossible for you to be saved. Go to the next one for me. The ear may hear God's word, but the spiritual perceptive powers have departed. The heart is what, y'all? And the conscience is seared. You know what seared means? It means set in place. It means your conscience, you, you can't even hear from God, huh? You're cauterized. You can't even be hit. The, the, the voice of God, you can't even hear it anymore. Oh, Lord God. Can I keep going? Just a few more? Watch this next one here. It says, do not think that because you do not manifest decided hostility to Christ, you are doing him service. You know, don't think because, man, I ain't out here killing nobody. I ain't here sleeping with nobody. That you are like, oh, I'm not hostile to Christ. Not at all. Watch. It says, we thus deceive our own souls. Go to this next one here. It says, by withholding that which God has given us to use in his service, be it what? Or what? You all know what means is? Money. Uh-huh. Or any other of his entrusted gifts, whatever you're good at. Count. Can you count? Can you type? Can you do Facebook? Because we need those people too. Whatever you can do. Some of you are just proficient in social media. Whatever it is. If you are not using that for the glory of God, you are hostile to him. You are his enemy, and you are in the church. It says, in his service, be it time or means or any other of his entrusted gifts, we work what? We work what, y'all? We're working against him. Come on, come on. Uh, Satan uses the what? Y'all know what listless is? That's old school for what? Lazy. Satan uses the listless, the sleepy indolence of professed to strengthen his forces and win souls to his side. When Satan is saying, how can I bolster my army? How can I get stronger? How can I cause more people to be lost? He doesn't look to the world. He says, I'm going to look for the most lazy, indolent, comfortable, don't want to do nothing, selfish, self-centered church people, and they will make my army strong. Keep going. 
Many who think that though they are doing no actual work for Christ, they are yet on his side, are enabling the enemy to preoccupy ground and gain advantages. We're giving the devil an advantage when we just come to church, sit down, listen to the sermon, and go home and dare somebody to ask us to do anything. Let me say something right now. I don't work for the church. You know what I, what I hear people say all the time? Uh, man, I, these church folk, they wear you out. They, 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 they ain't no church for wearing you out. This is God. This is God's church. This is his work. We have a tendency, like the children of Israel, to look at Moses. Y'all remember Korah, Dathan, and Abiram wanted to kill Moses because they felt Moses was taking too much of the responsibility, even though they saw the cloud leading them. This ain't about Edmonds. This ain't about us or, or Bozeman or any of us in here. This is God's church. Keep going. So by their failure to be what? Workers for who? By leaving duties undone and words unspoken. They have allowed Satan to gain control of souls who might have been one for Christ. We'll leave it there. It's time to play offense. Time to play offense. Anybody in the sport? Y'all excited about these Browns? Yes, sir. Huh? Can I go here just for a second? Can I, can I, can I prophesy? Huh? I'm just using an illustration. Can I prophesy? Now, last year, the Browns' defense was solid. Come on. Wasn't they solid? Huh? Miles Garrett. Come on. Who else they have out there? Come on. Denzel Ward. Huh? Who else they got out there? Yeah, keep on going, Andre. I know you're going to give them all to me. Who else? Who else they got? Come on. Huh? Uh, quote Psalms 137 right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, the defense was stout last year, right? For those of you who are not sports fans, like they say, defense wins championships. That if you can stop the other team from scoring, if you can keep them out of the end zone, if you don't let them get no points, guess what? You, you just didn't let them get no points. But at some point, you got to score. Because if all you do is stop them and you don't score, it's a tie. Come on, say amen. And, and so now, who else they got, Andre? They, they got some offense now. Nick Chubb. Baker Mayfield. They got Odell Beckham Jr. Huh? Who else they got, huh? Jarvis Landry. Kareem Hunt. It, it sounds to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, listen, y'all, there's an important point I want to make here. See, is it possible that we've just been playing defense the whole time as a church? Defending the message, defending the truth, defending the standards, protecting the church. But again, you can't put no points on the board doing that. Don't nobody get saved. Nobody's getting saved by defense. Right, we got to score. We got to put the ball in the end zone. We got to gain some yardage. We got to break some holes. We got to break some tackles. We got to move the enemy out of the way. We have got to actually play offense. Be aggressive. Get down the field. Get down in these hoods. Save these babies. Save these families. Go get these hurting people. Win 10,000 family. We don't need money to do it. 
We need committed people to do it. And if God has us, God will have everything he needs. Father Cox, where are you at? Come on up here right now. Fred Bozeman, come on stand here right now. Any other elders? I don't see. Come stand up here right now. Elders, flood the altar. Come to the altar, elders. We're getting ready to pray with people right now. Ah, I can't make this easy, Holy Spirit. I have a question for you. I got a question. This is going to be tough because we just heard the text. This is going to be tough right here. Who will go? Who will go to work in this vineyard? Who's going? Who's going? I'm asking. Who's going? Who's going? Who's going to work? This is not an illustration. I'm asking a question. Who's going? If you're going, stand. If you're going. Now, this is a dangerous question, y'all. Remember that. Because if you say you're going and you don't go, who's going? That means 100%. 100%. Listen, it's better to sit if you know you're not going than it is to stand and say you're going. That's what the text just taught us. It's better to just say, for real, for real, I'm not sure if I'm going. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to even stand. And, if we, and I'm not judging you no way because the Lord says, look, if you're honest with him like that, then I just trust that the Lord can convict you on how he's going to get you to go. But you guess what? Let me, let me, let me break something down to you. Uh, Christ Object Lesson said that neither one of the sons really did what their father wanted them to do. Neither one. Not for real. What should happen when the father calls you is you just say yes and you go. Anybody got, got kids? Huh? When you tell them to do something? I mean, I like it, man, when my kids come and say, Dad, I was sorry. I should have done A, B, and C. I, I, I disobeyed you. And I appreciate that. I love that kind of humility. But you know what makes me happier? If I tell them to do something and they do it. Because that tells me that they have respect for what I'm saying, that they, they honor who I am, that they honor that what I'm doing for them is in their best interest. My question to you right now is, look, there's really no wiggle room for this thing. Either you are going or you are not. Anybody else want to stand and say, and listen, understand now, going, we, we got, maybe we need to teach and talk about this a little bit more. We're not always talking about a church program. I'm talking about in your everyday life and your sphere of influence. There's some of you right now, I'm not going to call them out, but somebody today brought somebody's kids to church because the parent wouldn't come. That's ministry. Holy Spirit told this person, listen, I, I've been working on the, on the mother, but the mother don't want to come. She said, I'm going to get all the kids. I mean, can't get here on time because you know you're messing with somebody else's kids and, and then you got to get all this stuff and the car seats and, the, and then all this and then they, they, they ain't your kids so they don't behave like your see nobody wants to put up with that but see that's the kind of stuff that God honors that's the kind of stuff that God honors but there are many of us we don't want to come out of our comfort zone but we want God to come out of his comfort zone for us come on man how many do you praise God that the Lord left heaven huh came down here, 
got in the womb of a woman and he did all of that uncomfortable, crucified so that you might be saved. And you, got, and you, got, and you mean to tell me you just going to do what you want to do? He owns your life. You don't have nothing. Talk to me, somebody. Naked I came into this world, and naked I shall return. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't own my talents. I don't own my voice. I don't own my hands. I don't own my feet. I don't own my eye. I don't own my time. I don't own my talent. It all belongs to the Lord. And I don't have the right to say what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. Who do we think we are to tell the Holy Ghost, I'm not going to do that. God have mercy on our souls. I want to ask you one more time. The Lord is saying to somebody, come out of your comfort zone. The Holy Spirit is giving you another chance right now. He's saying, come out of your comfort zone. If the Lord is talking to you, I want you to flood this altar right now. Elders are going to pray with you. Elders are going to lay hands on you. Elders are going to pray with you right now. Just come and stand here and somebody's going to pray with you. But if you, if you feel the call of God on your life, hallelujah. Oh, bless this name. Thank you for calling me, Lord God. Thank you for laying your hands on my wicked self. Thank you for calling me out of the muck and the mire. Thank you, Lord, for giving me an assignment. I don't own it. It belongs to you, Lord God. Oh, Father God, thank you. Thank you that you keep calling us, God. Help us to be obedient, Lord. Oh, God, somebody is almost, somebody will almost grieve the Holy Spirit today. Change their mind, Lord. Change their mind. Help them to stop saying no to your Father. Help them to stop saying no to your Father. Help them to throw their hands in the air and say, I owe you my life, God. I owe you my life, God. I owe you my time, God. It all belongs to you. this church. Mess up our plans. Mess up our agenda. And God, mess up our lives. For your glory, God. For your glory, God. We live in you. And we move in you. And we have our being in you. We don't own anything, God. Receive our lives and our worship today, Lord God. right now. Don't miss this moment. Wherever you are, you need to just let go and let God have his way in your life. Let go and let God have his way. Wherever you are, say, Lord, have your way in my life. Come on, somebody. Somebody needs to get free today. Somebody needs to be delivered today. Somebody stretch forth under heaven and say, Lord, have your way in my life. Stop fighting him today. Stop fighting him today.
today. Say, you got my life, God. Come on, Holy Spirit. Come on, move up and down the aisles. Move up and down the aisles. Move along the, the back wall and move along the congregation, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, don't let anybody leave here comfortable today. Don't let anybody leave here comfortable in their sin. Would God bring conviction over somebody today that they got to tell you yes, Lord. close. Yes, Holy Spirit, I will obey. Shh. Holy Spirit, I will obey. Right now, elders and those that are mighty in prayer. I just feel that of God right now. Elders, the Holy Spirit is, may put on your heart and your mind right now to go and pray for somebody that you haven't prayed for. They may be sitting in the congregation. They, they may be against the walls. They may be standing on the side, but but the Holy Spirit is giving them an invitation for you to go and to bless them, to pray into their lives. They, they, need, a, they need a breakthrough. They need a miracle. They, they're standing in the need of prayer. Their, their hands are lifted. Their hearts are open. Just go and pray for somebody. I don't know. Somebody might just, the Holy Spirit might just put it on somebody's heart I, uh, to pray for somebody, that, that God be with them, that, that God use them, that God have all of them, that God anoint them, that God fill them, that God baptize them with the Holy Ghost and with fire. If you need a prayer and you just want to receive prayer right now, this doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means you need God. It means you need a breakthrough and you just want somebody to pray with you. Just lift your hand right where you are and somebody will see you and they'll come and pray with you right now. You might need a breakthrough. You need an answer. You need a move, a miracle. Don't be ashamed. The prostitutes and the publicans, they will say, I need him. Oh, I need thee. Ain't no shame in telling the Lord yes. Move in this place. Move in this place. Have your way in this place, Lord. Have your way, Lord God. Lord, move, 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 oh God. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Yes. Lord, have your way. Oh, God, help us to say yes to you. Help us to say yes, God. And then do something, Lord God. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Give me an I surrender all. I surrender all. Take me to I surrender all right now. Take me to I surrender all. All to Jesus. I Bring surrender in, all to him I freely give. 